Welcome to the 95th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadio Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyrell Yarnell. A bit of a delay on this one due to some technical difficulties, but today we talk about the huge trade that happened this past week between the Niners, the Dolphins, and the Eagles, and how we should be reacting to pro days in terms of... What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. So we're in a little bit of a dead period in terms of actual tangible NFL news, but we did get a huge, huge, technically three-team trade, uh, what, about a week ago, I believe, where it was the San Francisco 49ers making the move to move from the 12th overall pick to the third overall pick, giving up the 12th overall pick, two future first-round picks, and this year's third-round pick. Um, lots of draft capital to move up nine spots months before the draft or over a month before the draft. So it's clear that they were doing this, Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong, to get a quarterback, right? Yeah, if they don't get a quarterback, there's just there's something up. Yeah, right. Like it, it makes no sense as to why you would give up that much to trade up for a guy like Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, who are, we'll talk about them a little bit, but they're understandably fantastic prospects, but they're not someone that you trade up for. They're someone that if they fall to you, fantastic. Like that is the type of player that they are, but they are not the quarterback position. And the quarterback position at the top of this draft class is legitimately stacked. We've seen everybody have their pro day and just absolutely light it up. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and the guy who has been getting crazy amounts of hype, who is actually the odds-on favorite to be drafted by the San Francisco 49ers right now is Mac Jones. Now, Mac Jones had an okay pro day. He had a few throws here and there where he overthrew, and it looked like Jimmy Garoppolo in the Super Bowl once again, just, just slightly being off target. And obviously, Mac Jones has been a really accurate quarterback. But, um, Tyler, is it crazy to say that it would be a huge mistake for the San Francisco 49ers to draft Mac Jones that high? and having traded all those assets to come up a month in advance of the draft to then trade up to take Mac Jones at three. I think it would. I think that Mac Jones is a guy that does have a pretty high floor, but um, I really question his ceiling overall. Um, overall, he, he kind of really reminds me of the Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins type of quarterbacks. And then I look at Justin Fields and Trey Lance, and I just see so much more upside there. So for you to take a guy like Mac Jones, who doesn't have as high of a ceiling at three, it just doesn't really make sense to me. I think that it's just smoke and mirrors, even though there's a lot of chatter about him going number three to the Niners, I'm really not buying it. I would be absolutely shocked if he ended up going to uh, the Niners at number three. I think it's really locked into one of Justin Fields or Trey Lance for them. Yeah. My guess on that would be Trey Lance. Um, for some reason, Justin Fields keeps not getting, I feel like, the credit he deserves. I don't know. I believe we both have him as the number two quarterback in this draft class. Um, his physical tools and upside are legitimately unreal. And, yes, there may be some mental lapses here and there holding onto the ball a little bit long, but it, you can really nitpick, nitpick for almost any quarterback in that regard because they're college prospects. Like, these guys are not completely finished prospects. This is kind of the same thing that happened with Justin Herbert last year where, for some reason – he kept kind of like creeping down, creeping down, creeping down. And then he ended up still going top six, I believe. He went six to the Chargers. So maybe that'll be what happens with Justin Fields. But someone came out and said that a team had a fourth round grade on him. 
that has to be the most blasphemous thing I've ever heard. Um, I mean, I guess Dak Prescott won the fourth round. So that's the only way that you can connect the dots and compare him to Dak. But in reality, I see him as a supercharged Dak Prescott. I kind of been on that for a little bit. He's ridiculously talented. I would love as a Patriots fan to see if Fields could end up in New England. Obviously, it would take a trade up, but I'm willing to risk it all the same way the Niners did if Justin Fields is still on the clock at four or five or six or seven, whatever it may be. Um, So let's talk about the Dolphins here, actually, because the Dolphins did make that move. They got all the picks and then they gave up their 2022 first round pick to move up from 12 to six, trading with the Eagles. So who do you think is the guy that the Dolphins actually have in mind at the sixth overall pick, uh, considering that this is a almost a sweet spot for the skilled positions, assuming that Penny Sewell and maybe another quarterback will go four and five. Um, they kind of have their choice, but who do you think is the guy that they really want at number six overall? Yeah, I think it's going to come down to either Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. Uh, when you look at the top of the draft, obviously we're going to assume that uh, the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks, and then you have the Falcons and the Bengals. So, um, unless that, unless Pitts and Jamar Chase are taken at four and five, which um, Joe Burrow's really, uh, really trying to get the Bengals to take Jamar Chase at five, but I don't think that they'll they'll give in eventually, just because they need offensive line help desperately. But at six. I think that they're going to have the choice or I don't know if they're going to have the choice, but they're one of Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts is going to fall to them at six. And I think that they'd be perfectly fine taking either one uh, Jamar Chase. Like he's just an absolute stud. He took this year off, but um, you know, he, he showed last year with Joe Burrow that he has all the tools to be a number uh, wide receiver one in this league. And um, I have full confidence in him in uh, Miami and uh, Kyle Pitts. Like he's just ridiculous. I, I can't say that enough. Like the fact that he he plays tight end, but like he he literally moves like a wide receiver. Like it's it's just too much of a mismatch. It's it's just unfair for defenses. Like he's going to torch um, defenses throughout his NFL career. I there's I don't think that there's a there's a prospect that I'm more confident in than Kyle Pitts. He's just a freak of nature. And uh, he's going to be a mismatch for defenses from the first first time he steps onto the football field. Um, between the two of them, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, I have a feeling – I feel like they already have Mike Gusecki. Mm. I, think, I, I think I would go with I – I, I think that the Dolphins would rather take Kyle Pitts there. He's just a uh, generational talent. Um, and he's like probably he's probably the most surefire prospect in this draft. So I think that they would prefer Pitts there. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is just ridiculous, like you said. Um, I believe he dominated the pro day, as did Jamar Chase. We'll talk about pro days in a little bit. But, I mean, these guys are legitimately unreal. They're crazy talents, uh, crazy pass catchers. Kyle Pitts, if, was, if he was just listed as a wide receiver, I think he would probably be a top three, maybe top four wide receiver in this draft class. But he's not. He is a tight end. And he can do so much like the mismatches that you can create with Kyle Pitts are honestly mind blowing. He would be the most fun offensive weapon for an NFL coach to have because he can play anywhere and he can be a mismatch against anyone. Corners, not strong enough. Safeties, too small. Linebackers, too slow. Like there is literally just it's almost impossible 
it looks like he was made in a lab to just be a mismatch in the NFL. I believe he had the longest wingspan recorded over the last 10 years for any NFL pass catcher. Um, like it ran a, what, a four, four, six, I think it was 40. Um, was it a four, four, six? I think you're nodding your head here. Four, 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 four. Oh my gosh. Like the Jay-Z song Amen. album, whatever it may, uh, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Yeah, no, Kyle Pitts is ridiculous. I would love to see him. Well, I'm going to love to see him, honestly, wherever he ends up. I don't think the fit matters much for him. He is, like, the most plug-and-play. Just He fits in any scheme, any system. As long as you're not putting your tight end's hand in the ground, Kyle Pitts will be a weapon, and he could be the wide receiver one on any given team. Kind of similar to what uh, we've seen from Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey over the last few years, maybe a little different from George Kittle, but this guy that just is such a mismatch, and you can use him all over the field. So – I think Miami, honestly, I think the one that they want is Kyle Pitts. I think the the one that is more quarterback friendly is going to be Kyle Pitts. He just, it's such a huge target radius that Tua can throw to him. He can dominate the middle of the field. They can have Gasicki and Pitts. And Gasicki's also due for a contract. So um, it, this, I think Pitts, like you said, is the best player available at six, assuming that they, uh, Penny Sewell goes fifth and a quarterback goes fourth. Kyle Pitts is the best player available, and I think that the Dolphins should draft him. Um, and Jamar Chase, he's great. He's fantastic. He is the wide receiver one in this class, I believe. Uh, athletically, he blew away his pro day yesterday. Ran a 4-3-8-40, 41-inch vertical. I mean, he honestly looks like a ridiculously explosive athlete. It looks like he's been training for that 40-yard dash for a while. Like, he, his form was perfect. His start was fantastic. He had zero wasted motion in his 40. He looked really good running that. And he has kind of that speed that I think you're going to need at the next level to be a wide receiver one. I personally thought he was going to run around like a 4-5, maybe a 4-4-8. 4-3-8 for Jamar Chase is similar to what happened with Justin Jefferson last year, where he comes in, he runs a sub 4-4-40, and then everyone is blown away. And that tells you just how his game truly will translate to the next level. Jamar Chase is going to be a wide receiver one. So I don't think that's anything that we need to take into consideration. Uh, he checks off every single box. He was great when he was young. He had one of the most dominant seasons ever on one of the best offenses ever. He's a red zone threat. He gets a huge target share. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can, well, he actually does slightly struggle with press a little bit with like true physicality, but that's part of his game. He's just so he's such a dog and he's such a competitor that he loves the physicality, but he also knows how to use that to his advantage. Like, oh, I love watching Jamar Chase play football. He reminds me of DJ Moore mixed with a little bit of Mike Evans and a little bit of Keenan Allen at the same time. Like it's it's going to be really, really fun to watch him play. I realistically think his ceiling is similar to what Devontae Adams is right now. Just give him time to really understand the nuance of playing wide receiver give him the stacks, the press releases, like just toying with the DB. Once he learns how to put all that stuff together, oh Lord, it is going to be fun. But I think the place that he's going to end up is Detroit, which kind of sounds a little bit crazy, but, and I like that fit. I think Jared Goff can actually do a good job with Jamar Chase. Um, just, just throw the ball to him, just target him a ton and let him get those reps early on. Um, Tyler, I want to transition this a little bit to the pro days. Um, because we've, we've seen these pro days and it seemed like, correct me if I'm wrong. I think everyone has killed their pro day this year. Like, I don't think anybody's had a bad pro day yet. Uh, I mean, from what I've been hearing, yeah, it, it seems like most of the court, quarterbacks are getting a lot of the attention for the pro days. Um, just because we're seeing all these crazy throws, like 
the one that went viral for Zach Wilson was him running to his left side and then turning his, his, uh, his body and then throwing the ball uh, the complete other direction. So, um, yeah, I think that for the most part, these quarterbacks are getting a lot of attention. Yeah, um, the quarterbacks have all, like, after every pro day, it feels like everyone has a new claim to go number two overall to the Jets. Um, but I believe that is locked in to Zach Wilson at this point. He's the odds-on favorite by a mile. He's, like, minus 450 at this point to be the number two overall pick. So unless they trade that pick, it's probably going to be Zach Wilson there. Um, and then, obviously, the Niners just shook the entire world where now Mac Jones is legitimately in consideration for the third overall pick. And no one knows which direction the Niners are going to go. So I guess the Niners or the draft starts at three with the Niners. And it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, but I, I want to talk about pro days because I feel like there's a lot of overreacting to these pro days. There isn't too much substance to them. Like the same way I think people are really overreacting the same way that they normally overreact to the combine. Just uh, these guys run in a straight line and that's great. They jump straight up in the air. That's great. But these are not functional NFL movements half the time. So these numbers don't mean all that much. You just have to cross a certain threshold, like for a skilled position player that isn't a tight end. So running back and wide receiver, ideally you want them running faster than a 4.6. If they run below a 4.6, then odds are it's going to be a little bit tougher for them. For running back, it could be closer to 4.65 because we've had some good running backs that run uh, just above a 4.6. Wide receiver, you really want them running anywhere from 4.6 and below. Uh, I did I, a, like a look into the wide receivers from last year, and I believe like 63% of them that were top 12 wide receivers over the last five years all ran um, between a 4-4 and a 4-6. And some of them were really fast, and maybe like two of them or three of them were really slow. Um, but what I want to get to with these pro days is don't overreact and just trust the film. Like Trust the film and the analytics, but don't use these pro days to really like, if you're changing the way that you're ranking these players based off of a pro day, I think you're ranking in the wrong way because it shouldn't be that sort of like knee jerk reaction. Like, Oh shit, Jamar Chase ran a four, three, eight. He's like, he has to be the wide receiver one now. Like he still has a realistic claim. And I personally believe that he's the wide receiver one, but I don't think it's this overwhelming thing where if someone just runs a little bit faster than you thought they were going to, or a little bit slower that you should knock them unless they fall below those thresholds. I 100% agree. Like, like you said, the, the statistics don't really matter in that sense. Like, they shouldn't change your opinion. This is, these are football players. And when they're, do, when they're doing this pro day, they're not playing football. They're, they're showing how they're, um, like, their threshold as an athlete. So, um, yeah, I mean, just trust the film. A lot of these guys haven't been playing for over a year. But uh, you just got to stick to the film. And, um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jamar Chase. Like, you said he's a clear wide receiver one. But, like, we, we've been saying that since, like, before that. And uh, there's a lot of people that are. But, like, just saying, like, we're not going to switch our opinion on that because of the 40-yard the dash. So, yeah, it's um, – players get overvalued so much. Like, last year, I believe it was Henry Ruggs that ran, what, like a 4-2-8? Yeah. And – his straight line speed. I mean, it shows on film. He's ridiculously fast in a straight line, but his, his lateral speed and kind of his breaks in and out of routes were not that fast. So you almost never get the chance to see that four to eight speed. So he was, he, people thought that he was going to break the 40 yard dash time. Mm -hmm. Like that's how much hype that he was getting going into it. And then he ended up only running a four. 
I don't, I don't want to say only, but <laughs> yeah, that's four, legitimately like almost inhuman. That's, that's a little disrespectful, honestly, but he ran a four, two, eight and uh, he still ended up going ahead of Jerry Judy and CD lamb. So um, yeah, a little bit mind blowing. Um, another example of this uh, is Zach Wilson with that same, the, the throw that we're, uh, I was talking about earlier where he was uh, going to his left and then threw it the other way. Like, We've seen him make throws like that in in his college games. Like he 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 does that. Like that that's why he's one of the top quarterbacks. That's why like he's going in the top ten. Like he was going in the top ten even before uh like the season ended. Like it was already locked in. Um but now it seems like he's he's locked into number two at the Jets. I don't know if that's because of his pro day, but I mean or a lot of people are putting him as the number two quarterback in the draft. Like I just, I mean, we have him as quarterback four, I believe behind Lance and uh, fields and like the pro day wasn't going to change that for us. Yeah. Just like, just cause we, we knew that he, that wasn't the question for Zach Wilson, the, throwing the football was never the question for him. It's always been about like, for me, it's been like his, his competitiveness hasn't been tested. Like he, he hasn't had, I think he had one game that ended up finishing as a one score game in 2020. The rest were either blowouts or just him getting blown out. So um, yeah, the pro day can't really change that opinion, I guess. Yeah. So um, There's only so much quarterbacks can do on a pro day too. Like you're just, you're throwing the ball. It's like you're playing seven on seven. Like you're just so free out there just like throwing you just want to I mean you have a mental clock in your head as to when the rush would be coming or whatnot but like they're just throwing the ball like that's there's not there's not too much football outside of that I think that Ian Rappaport said this um he he was just talking about uh I think it was Matt Jones's pro day and he was saying that like the coaches come into the pro days especially for the quarterback just to see how how the how his teammates react around him they want to see how how his how his character looks in front of his teammates and how he reacts when how they react when he he makes a good play or he makes a good throw um i think that is more important than the throws that the the quarterbacks make in the in the pro day because like you know that this guy can make throws like he's going like these quarterbacks are going top 10 in the draft they're they're top of the top of the top for for quarterback prospects so um you, re- you really have to nitpick as, a, as an NFL coach. You need to find uh, – get any information you can. And, like, seeing those reactions, like seeing how his teammates react around him and they, they, they treat him on the football field, like, that's, that, that's kind of, like, what they're assessing at that point. Yeah, it's honestly a better way to look at things because, like I said, there's only so much a quarterback can really prove, at least from a football standpoint – but I guess if you're if you're looking at a mental and like a leadership standpoint, which is absolutely a critical part of the evaluating process for a quarterback, then that makes a lot more sense. Um, in that case, I think it's it'd be really interesting to see like what criteria teams exactly look for. Like if it is like Devonte Smith coming out and running routes with Mac Jones just because he doesn't have anything to prove, but just to help out Mac Jones because he knows like he like he Mac Jones is his guy and he'll come out and run routes for him and like show himself to NFL teams. Um, that that sort of thing I think is interesting. Um, do you have a you have another thought? Yeah, um, just about that. Devonta Smith, Devonta Smith wasn't planning on running routes. Uh, apparently, Mac Jones like convinced them to come out and mm-hmm. and run some routes with him, even if it was limited. So um, 
I, that was one thing that Rappaport uh, mentioned and uh, said that that impressed some coaches. Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if your guys want to run routes for you, that's obviously a good thing. Uh, I find it hard to believe that a quarterback really wouldn't be able to get his wide receivers to run routes, but I, I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know if his agents advise him against that. Yeah, he had, I think he had a broken thumb or something. His injury, whatever injury he had before, like he's still dealing with it. Who, Devontae Smith? Yeah. Wow, so that's really super. I mean, he looked good when he was running routes, so. Yeah, um, no, it was, like a, it was like a thumb injury or something. Um, yeah, he had that injury in the in the national championship game. Yeah, he, apparently his, his fingers were purple. So, um, he, yeah, he was not planning on running routes. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good dude. I, I like Devontae Smith, the guy, the player. Uh, he's fun to watch. He seems like one hell of a dude liked his Heisman speech. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much all that we have today. Just want to not overreact to pro days because these situations and these kind of the scenarios that these players are put in, they're all, they're in a position to look fantastic, especially with, let's say their strength and conditioning coaches, the guy that's hitting the stopwatch on his 40 yard dash, like those sort of things. I'm not saying that these numbers are inaccurate. They all seem to be an accurate uh, assessment of these players athleticisms but like these players are in a really favorable situation I wouldn't overreact too much to the actual like numbers that are put out there and I would just make sure that players hit a certain threshold by I guess a sizable margin and after that just watch the film and assess from there because there's only so much information that we're going to get and I will keep saying this but draft capital is probably the biggest indicator as to how much the NFL and how much a certain team believes in a certain player. So that that is going to be like a huge part of our evaluation process. As long as we get all that information and we get these numbers from the pro days as, as thresholds, I don't care if Jamar Chase ran a four, three, eight Rondo Moore ran a four, two, eight. And I mean, Rashad Bateman just ran like a four, three, nine also, but if Bateman ran a four, five, five still wouldn't care. It wouldn't change the way I think about the player. We've seen players of all different types of athleticism work in the NFL and it's not so much about that straight line speed. It's about pretty much everything else outside of that, because how many chances do guys get in the NFL to run straight for 40 straight yards outside of guys that are doing punt coverage? Nobody. It just doesn't happen in the NFL. So, I mean, congratulations on your four threes guys. You'd be a great special teams player at the minimum, but like, I really want to see what these players look like in the NFL and how much the NFL believes in them based on the film that they had in college. So draft season is heating up. It's going to be interesting as hell. Um, Tyler, really quick, you're number one at every single position right now. QB1, RB1, tight end one, wide receiver one. QB1's got to be Trevor Lawrence. Um, running back one, definitely Najee Harris. <clears throat> wide receiver one, Jamar Chase. Tight end one, Kyle Pitts. Okay, let's let's go. Uh, do you have a tight end too? I feel like we haven't done too much tight end talk yet. Um, I have not looked the full list. I do like Brevin Jordan a lot, though. I think yeah. that he can help. Uh, he can help a team that doesn't really need so much upside, but needs someone that can impact the game now. Like I, I think that he's a perfect fit for the Buffalo Bills right now because they haven't really added anybody in the. In, in free agency to add to that uh, tight end position. And I know that they want to add to that. So I think that he would be a very solid fit there. Yeah, kind of off topic, but um, I think Zach Ertz is actually a great buy low right now, just because I also think he could end up in Buffalo. Uh, we, we drafted him in a dynasty league that we're probably going to do a mock draft or a draft review for, but Zach Ertz is someone that I'd be looking into buying. He's really cheap. He's coming off of an ankle injury. Um, he's still one of the few tight ends that's had a great impact in this league. And he's only like 31. I feel like people are forgetting that a little bit. Um, maybe even uh, younger, but 
Um, so tight end two, Brevin Jordan. I, by the way, I totally agree with you on the QB one, wide receiver one, running back one. Uh, so wide receiver two. Uh, definitely Devonta Smith for me. Devonta Smith. I think there's an argument to be made for Rashad Bateman, but I also agree that it is Devonta Smith. Uh, just Rashad Bateman, similar to Jamar Chase, just he meets every single threshold that tells you this player is going to be great in the NFL. Obviously, yeah. just because it worked for a ton of other players doesn't mean it's going to work for Rashad Bateman. But the the history gives you good context as to how successful Rashad Bateman can be. But we haven't seen many players like Devonta Smith. Uh, he's built small. He plays big. And he's an absolute beast. Uh, running back two for you. Oof. Um, hmm. Unless I'm forgetting someone right now. It's not Etienne. I'm not forgetting Etienne. But Etienne. Don't say Etienne. Etienne. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go Javante Williams. Okay. Any reasoning why? Over Etienne, like comparing the two? I'm just a big fan of his game. Like, I, I, I think that he's going to be very solid for the, for, uh, the next four years. He just I, – I see him as a carbon copy of Chris Carson, and oh. I'm just a big Chris Carson guy. Um, like, Chris Carson doesn't need – he doesn't need a, a, an offensive line to be successful. Like, he's just going to make holes for, him, for himself. He's going to run through uh, tacklers that aren't bending, bending low and – putting in full effort like he's he's gonna run people over um I'm just a really big fan of his game and uh yeah yeah Javante he's just such a solid all-around back like there's almost no area that Javante Williams lacks like you said he's pretty much good at everything and he's just like literally a carbon copy of Chris Carpen Chris Carson that's like the person that I really like to compare him to just such a similar player someone that I mean I think he should go in round two um, just playing devil's advocate, because I literally have Etienne and Williams equal. Like, I think these guys, it, it's going to come down, not even draft capital, because I think they'll both go in round two, uh, but it's really going to come down to which player falls with which coach. Now, if Javante Williams ends up in a place like Miami or Atlanta, that's going to be a good landing spot for him. If Travis Etienne ends up in a place like New York or Arizona or San Francisco, or maybe honestly, even Atlanta, I think that's also a good place for him. Any place that has a zone running scheme. Um, I think ETN has a higher ceiling. I think he does. Maybe he's not the better player, but what he brings as a pass catcher, um, he's very serviceable in that regard. And what he brings as a home run threat is kind of, it fits the mold of what your prototypical RB1 has looked like over the last few years. Someone that can get the home run, also catch passes to boost that floor and, I mean, if you get those two things with an offensive line and a coach that fits the skill set, then there is uh, there's potential there to be an RB1. So I think Javante Williams is pretty much going to be just a rock solid running back his entire career. ETN might have some bad years. He might have some good years. We'll see about that. And QB2, I guess this is a conversation that everybody wants to answer. We both have Justin Fields, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely Justin Fields. Yeah, I, I I'm... I think Justin Fields is going to be special. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up being better than Trevor Lawrence. And it's not a knock on Lawrence. I just think Justin Fields, uh, even throughout this entire, like, I feel like he's been slept on almost his entire career. Like he was pretty much living in Trevor Lawrence's shadow by his senior year in high school. Trevor Lawrence comes in, he wins a suit. He wins a national championship. Uh, Justin Fields can't start in front of Jake Fromm. he transfers at Ohio state. 
they have a great year, whatever. No one really talks about it. They're talking about Tua and Joe Burrow. And then this past year, Justin Fields, once again, has a fantastic year, beats Trevor Lawrence, and all the talk is about Mac Jones. Like, Justin Fields has never actually gotten the spotlight. I truly believe that he deserves. And I feel like he's a dog. He's kind of got that chip on his shoulder that it's, it's an intangible that cannot be matched in the NFL. If you have a hunger and a motivation to be great in the NFL 99% of the time, um, if you follow through with it, with I think Justin Fields would, uh, you're going to be really good in the NFL. So I, I love Justin Fields' game. There's a few things here and there that he can clean up, but his upside as a player might be higher than anybody else in this draft class, um, at the quarterback position at least. Kyle Pitts has the highest upside out of anybody. Um, but I can't wait to watch Justin Fields play in the NFL. Tyler, any last thoughts before we go? Yeah, Diami Brown is a sleeper in this draft. For yes. Washington. Yes, that is that. correct. You know I love Diami Brown. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that he ends up in the right spot. Um, think about it right now. I think that a good spot for him would be – Where did I list him as a good spot? I had him somewhere, but I forget where it was. I think it might have been the Chargers. The Chargers, Chargers would be cool. Chargers, Chargers would be a good cool, spot. But... Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay. I have him as the annual second round wide receiver gem. Uh, a slower Wolf Fuller was my pro comp for him. I had him. Ooh, Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints, Indianapolis Colts. I like all those. I really do. I think that the Colts will be very nice. I think him and Michael Pittman would form a very nice duo for the next couple of years. That'd be fun. It'd be fun to watch. I'm I'm all in on Deami Brown. I think we have him as wide receiver six in this class, maybe wide receiver seven. Um, he's right there with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tylen Wallace, and Terrace Marshall. Like, they're they're all in the same tier. In a, any other draft, they'd probably be round one talents, but this draft is stacked at the top with Chase Smith, Bateman, Waddle, Moore. Um, it's going to be fun to watch, dude. These wide receivers, this class is deep, like – probably like 13 deep in terms of players I really want to draft on my dynasty teams. So thank you for that. I love the Deami Brown propaganda. That's it's, he's going to be good dude. And that UNC offense was fun to watch. And Deami Brown was a big reason why. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any closing remarks. I feel like I just talked way too much for the last few minutes. Um, yeah, good to go. we're, we're going to be back next Thursday. Hopefully there's more NFL news. Uh, Draft coverage is starting to ramp up just a little bit as we get all these pro day numbers in and uh, can finally kind of map out what the prospects look like with their film, with their with their college stats, and then with their athletic testing, which is a small piece of the puzzle. Don't forget that it's not the biggest thing in the world, but obviously it does help to have a player that is supremely athletic in fantasy. That wraps up today's pro day pod. Pods will now be dropping on Saturdays to recap a week's worth of NFL news and fantasy implications. We'll probably keep that going up until NFL Draft Day. And if you don't follow us already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at First Take Fantasy. We're posting rookie spotlights, coaching impacts, and tons of Dynasty content to keep you prepared for the NFL Draft and free agency.